Good morning. Today we're in the second week of a three-part series called Fear Not. If you missed last week, we're looking at three different versions of the story of the birth of Jesus. In each of these stories, we see an angel appear to different people. And the first thing that the angel always says is, fear not. Last week, John talked about the angel appearing to Mary and the story helped us to overcome our fear of what God is asking us to do. Next week, we're going to look at the angel appearing to some shepherds when the angel says, Fear not, today a saviour has been born to you in the town of Bethlehem. Today, we're going to see the angel appear to Joseph and talk about how we overcome our fear of what people think about us. So before we start, just think for a moment. Would you say you often care about what other people think about you? I think the reality is that at one level or another, all of us are pretty concerned. Thoughts like, do you like the car I drive? Do you like the clothes I wear? Do you like my hair? Do you think I'm funny? Do I fit in? Do you like my Facebook post or profile picture? Do you like this filter? Does it make me look good when I have butterflies on my cheeks or fluffy ears or a halo? If we're honest, we can become very easily obsessed with what other people think about us. In this week's story, we're going to watch Joseph battle with the opinions of people when he has to decide between doing what is easy and what is right, between what people would want him to do and what God wants him to do. So let me give you the context and then we're going to unpack this a bit. Joseph is engaged to be married to a young teenage virgin girl named Mary. In this time in history, engagements were a lot different to the way they are today. Today, if you're engaged and things go kind of wrong, then you can just break off the engagement and it might cause a bit of hurt and upset, but generally you can move on with your life. Back in the time of Mary and Joseph, an engagement was actually a binding agreement. You would be engaged for a year and in that time, if you wanted to break off the engagement, you actually had to file for divorce. So the only way to get out of an engagement would be to get divorced or to die. The engagement was so serious that if one of the two people died, the other one would be considered a widow or a widower. So with that in mind, let's read Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 24. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife. So let's take this back to the start. Mary and Joseph are engaged. 
Mary is a virgin, yet she is pregnant through the Holy Spirit, and she tells Joseph, who decides to divorce her quietly. If you try to step into the shoes of Joseph or Mary, you have to admit that it must have been a really weird conversation. Mary sits down with her fiancé and says, Joseph, I've got something to tell you. I'm pregnant, but don't worry. The good news is, it's by the Holy Spirit. Now, if we just think of this from Joseph's point of view, I imagine his initial response was probably that Mary was making it up. It does seem a bit far-fetched to be made pregnant by the Holy Spirit. So, from a human perspective, Joseph has really only got two options. Either Mary is crazy or she's a liar. And Joseph doesn't want to marry someone who's crazy or someone who's a liar. She says she's pregnant and the Holy Spirit did it. So at some point, Joseph must have asked himself, what will happen if I stay with her? What's everybody going to say? What are they going to think about us? We have to understand that in this culture, Mary is marked. At this time, to be pregnant out of wedlock was a sin that was punishable by death. They could stone her for this. It was really serious stuff. And so the same goes for Joseph. He's also marked for the rest of his life. If he's the guy that got her pregnant, or if she got pregnant with someone else, then it impacts Joseph, probably making it hard for him to get a job or to be taken seriously. If he divorces her, then no other father will want to bless his daughter to be married to him. It screws up his life. Obviously, we don't know for sure what went through his mind, but what we do know from this chapter in Matthew is that he's planning on leaving the relationship. So either he doesn't believe her or he doesn't want to deal with the consequences. But he thinks about it and he decides to divorce her quietly. We see in verse 19 it says, And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Or the NIV says, Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. A lot of the commentaries say that divorcing her quietly was actually a very noble and honouring thing to do from his perspective. He doesn't want to expose her to public shame. He's not going to broadcast to everybody, she cheated on me, stone her to death. So he actually probably really loves her and cares about her. Perhaps he was thinking that she could go and have the baby somewhere else and hopefully start over. And he's thinking he can go somewhere else and start over too. But Joseph is about to learn that if you want to honour God and you want to do the right thing, then it often means disappointing people. Pleasing God often means disappointing people. He's going to learn the powerful truth that if you want to obey God, there will be many times when other people will not agree, and there will be times when they will not understand. So let's carry on with our story. Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 and 21 say, But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save the people from their sins. 
And the King James Version says, Joseph, son of David, fear not. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Now again, imagine what Joseph must be going through at this point. The crazy emotions he must be feeling. We know he was faithful to the law, so he knew that it had been prophesied for centuries that a Messiah would come. And here was an angel of the Lord telling him that he was going to be part of the greatest event in history. But at the same time, there must have been the fear of what people were going to say about him and what it was going to cost him. He would get to be dad to the Messiah, but he had no idea how difficult it would be to face the people that just wouldn't understand or believe him. As followers of Jesus, each of us at different points in our lives will be confronted with opportunities to obey God or to do something easier to win the approval of people. Joseph is about to learn some hugely important principles that we can learn from today. The first principle is becoming obsessed with what people think about you is the quickest way to forget what God thinks about you. It's so true, isn't it? If we focus on what other people think about us, we quickly forget about the way God sees us and what God thinks about us. And the reality is for most of us, we drift towards wanting to please people. What do you think of me? Do you like me? Do I fit in? Do I measure up? Am I cool enough? Do you like what I'm doing? Can we be friends? Do you think I'm doing the right thing? And suddenly, without even meaning to, we surrender our lives to the opinions of people at the expense of actually living to please God. So how do we overcome that? Well, thankfully for us, the opposite is also true. Becoming obsessed with what God thinks about you is the quickest way to forget what people think about you. Living for an audience of one, saying, God, I want to honour and please you with all that I do. That is the quickest way, and perhaps the only way, to grow beyond living for the approval of others. Becoming obsessed with what God thinks about you is the quickest way to forget what people think about you. When you focus your attention onto God, you can live as a loved and fully accepted child of God. You've probably heard it said, you can't please all of the people all of the time. And that's so true, isn't it? When you think about it, you can't please everyone. If you try to please people, you're going to fail at some point. Let's take the example of politics. Let's say that you vote Conservative. You'll please everyone else who votes Conservative, but you won't please those who vote Labour. So you say you switch to Labour. You'll please those who vote Labour, but then anyone who votes Conservative hates you. So you stand in the middle somewhere, and then everyone hates you. There's just no way to please everybody. If you try to please one group, then you end up displeasing another. It's the same with fashion, with music, your diet, your hairstyle, with anything really. Someone will like it and someone else won't. No matter how hard you try, you cannot please everyone. But the good news is you can please God. You can live a life where God looks at you and says, well done, you did the right thing. You brought glory and honor to my name. Well done, my good and faithful servant. 
So how do we overcome living for what everyone else thinks? Well, we surrender ourselves to living for an audience of one. Because becoming obsessed with what God thinks about us is the quickest way to become set free of what people think about us. Like Joseph, each of us is going to have to get to a place in life where we can say, I value the opinion of God above the opinion of people. So how exactly do we live for God instead of for people? We've already said that pleasing God often means disappointing people because when you live for God, not everyone is going to like it. To take this a step further, we could even say that if we're not ready to be criticised for our obedience to God, then perhaps we aren't ready to be used by God. Think about all of the different ways that Mary and Joseph would be criticised. They would be shamed again and again. People would whisper about them behind their backs. It was a huge and public disgrace to be pregnant out of wedlock or to get someone pregnant out of wedlock, which is what people would assume had happened. And in the same way, God calls us to do something that is culturally unpopular, that if you obey, you will be criticised. This might look like giving up a party lifestyle to follow God instead. It might be deciding to honour God with sexual purity after a series of relationships. It might be spending all your money on a missions trip instead of having the latest gadgets. Or it might be giving up a high-paid career to take on a lower-paid job because God is calling you into it. To other people, it looks crazy. It doesn't make sense. And you'll definitely get some stick for it. People will mock you and make fun of you, and some relationships might even end because of it. But if you're not ready to be criticised for your obedience to God, perhaps you're not ready to be used by God. Craig Groeschel is an author and pastor and does a lot of leadership training, and he says to his leaders, the more you do, the more pain you'll experience. If you want to make a difference in this world, you will endure more pain than those who don't. If you want to live a life where nobody criticises you, let me tell you what to do. Do nothing, stand for nothing and have nothing. I choose the bullets, go ahead and shoot. So he says he would rather do something significant and have people shoot at him than do nothing at all. Have you ever felt doubt when you're about to do something or you're in the middle of doing something. You can be plagued with thoughts like, what was I thinking, I can't do this. But having the confidence to see something through is so important. And if God has laid it on your heart, he won't see you fail. I know John has mentioned before that at the start of every year as a family, we draw up a tree and each family member has their own branch. And coming off the branch are leaves with things written in, in each that we want to achieve over the next year. So for the boys, it can be doing a new skill independently, like maybe getting the next swimming badge or being able to write their full name. And for us, it tends to be things like read six books this year or achievements in our work life or home life. And then we also have things that we aim to do as a family, like go on more adventures together. Well, for the last two years on my branch, I've had a leaf that says, launch mental health project and it will be going on again for 2021. I've shared before about a course that I've written to help young people 
to engage with and process their emotions to help them come through anxiety, depression and other mental health issues. And it feels a bit like two steps forward and one step back. The progress has been so slow that I've often thought of giving up. And this past year, some amazing mental health resources have become available for young people that I've thought there's no point in me doing it too. In this case, the resistance is my own lack of confidence. But each time I've thought of giving up on it, God has sent me a reminder through a Bible verse or a person or even a meme on my Facebook feed that this is something he has laid on my heart to do and therefore he won't see me fail. Just as Joseph had an angel visitation to let him know that God was with him, so I've had reminders from God that confirm that I need to keep going with it and not give up. Anything significant you do will be met with criticism and resistance, whether that's an internal voice perhaps built up from years of other people's opinions or from criticism from the people around you today. Because becoming obsessed with what people think about you is the quickest way to forget what God thinks about you. But becoming obsessed with what God thinks about you is the quickest way to forget what people think about you. The second thing that Joseph is about to learn, and that we can learn too, is that extraordinary acts of God often start with ordinary acts of obedience. If we again think of Mary and Joseph, they were two teenagers who ended up saying yes to God in an ordinary act of obedience, and they got the privilege of raising the saviour of the world. How incredible is that? And what we can also see is that the angel didn't give them a parenting manual. He didn't say, and this is how we want you to raise him. God just chose Mary and Joseph to do this incredible thing. So often we want God to show us the details and a full laid out plan of exactly where we'll end up. But God knows that more often than not, we wouldn't take the first step if we knew all the details. It just needs for us to take a step of faith, one step of obedience at a time. We don't need to have the full details before we say yes to God. We just take the step he has asked us to and we obey and then we trust God with the rest. Remember John said last week that the outcome is God's responsibility, not ours. Our responsibility is obedience. We have absolutely no idea what God might do if we simply obey what God puts on our hearts when we do what God calls us to do. About a year ago now, John had a thought that he just couldn't shake, and we believe it was God pressing something on his heart. It was the thought that Hope Church was to be needed by the community so much that if it were to be removed, people would notice and something would be missing. He didn't know what that looked like, and neither did I. And I believe we are only seeing the first few steps of that now, a year later. But over the course of this year, John has partnered with our friends in Nottingham to start up the Forget-Me-Nots Files project. We have a fantastic team of volunteers who now visit two or three homes each week and provide the most needy in our community with beds, bedding, drawers and other furniture. We've even provided school uniform to a family who recently moved to the area and couldn't afford it. The amazing Forget-Me-Nots Files team work with the social services 
to tackle poverty in the Fylde and beyond and into other parts of Lancashire. And with the Christmas gift appeal, we're aiming to ensure that every child in Fylde and Wire receives a gift this Christmas by collecting gifts for those children that wouldn't otherwise have one. It's been absolutely amazing for me to witness all this behind the scenes, to see the doors that have been opened and the relationships that have been built for Hope Church to begin to provide for and be needed by our community, to see the team come together and deliver this essential service. Already just one year in, I believe our church would be missed if it were to be removed from this community. And that all began because John said yes to the call of God on his heart. He had no idea what that looked like, but he just kept saying yes and keeps saying yes and taking steps of obedience. You never know where your yes to God might take you or the impact it can have on others. For you, it might be as simple as inviting your neighbours or friends to watch church online. We post the link to our Sunday messages on Facebook every week, so it's super easy to share it and invite friends. You have no idea of the impact that that could have on the family you invite by your single act of obedience. When you serve in the church, you have no idea of the impact that is having. You could be part of the forget-me-nots team who will probably never see the full impact of how they bless the families they visit. But we know God is using it for great things. Or when we eventually get these church doors open and you're part of the welcome team, that friendly face can make a huge difference and could mean someone finding their place here and moving forward in their relationship with God. And who knows what God will do in that person's life. It could even end up blessing your own life because you were friendly when they first arrived. Or when you decide to obey God in your tithing and say yes, even though it looks on the face of it like you shouldn't be able to afford to live. You might be amazed in the future of how God's provision came through for you again and again. We won't know what our simple yes can unlock unless we take a step and obey God in what he is calling us to do. You have no idea what a single act of obedience can set into motion when you obey what God puts on your heart. Extraordinary acts of God often start with ordinary acts of obedience. And so, as we come to a close, let's have another look at our story today. The angel speaks to Joseph and says, Fear not, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what is in her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. You will give birth to a son and you will call him Jesus because he will save people from their sins. Now Joseph has a choice to make. Does he do what's easy or does he do what's right? Does he do what people would want him to do or does he do what God would want him to do? And in one little verse, we see his decision. Verse 24 says, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Through Joseph's simple act of obedience, the greatest act of God was brought to fulfilment. When God speaks to you, you might wrestle with what's easy versus what is right, with what people think versus with what God thinks. And one little sentence in your life could alter your entire future he did what the Lord commanded him. She did what the Lord commanded her. 
You have no idea what one single act of obedience can set into motion when you obey what God puts on your heart. And so we learn these lessons from Joseph and the way he chose, above all, to follow God, to take Mary as his wife, despite the criticism that would bring, forgetting what other people would think about him, and to honour God with his obedience. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that you are in all and above all. Thank you that you chose each of us for a purpose and call each of us to live in a way that honours you. Help us, God, to follow you in spite of criticism and help us to fix our attention onto what you think of us rather than what other people think. We're sorry for the times that we've allowed other people's opinions to take our focus away from you. Please bless each person watching today and give us hearts that want to know you, to love you and to serve you. In Jesus' name, Amen.